And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Aha! Yes! Eureka! This is a call to action. Get out and public speak at every opportunity. Communication is a dying art, and without it, we may lose a fundamental connection to one another. In his 1985 book, Using Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman desperately tries to convince us to add oral and literary depth to our daily communication. Way back then, he was partially correct because television was in its prime. And he was worried that the decline of our oral community would lead to disastrous results. Fast forward to today, where we're immensely distracted by all kinds of different sources of technology. We're lost, and public speaking being lost. So what's the danger in this? Does it matter that we are becoming more efficient at filtering out information? Why is this a bad thing? Why is public speaking, oral communication, so important for our well-being? That's what we're going to discuss today in our second podcast called The Need for Public Speaking. We can imagine ourselves as fish in an ocean. We're only noticing the brightest other fish. And we focus less on those camouflage ski predators or we fail to recognize any of the water that surrounds us and provides us sick life. It's true that a fish can live a perfectly acceptable life watching the bright colors of other animals. So much more could be understood by examining and appreciating the water which surrounds us. Oral communication is the water in our metaphor. It's the layer of life that envelops us but really goes unnoticed. You can easily get through life by focusing on the bright colored fish of text messages, snaps, Instagram posts, Facebook news stories. We're missing so much more by examining that water. Because these modern media communication devices and apps, they really don't foster two-way communication in a manner that's necessary for us to live strong and productive lives. Well, how can oral communication save us then? We often think of human connections, times, respectful debate as a few positive outcomes of increased public speaking and oral communication. You have to remember that ideas grow from multi-layer interaction. Sending out a tweet and having a reply back doesn't foster the fast-paced intensity that occurs when you have oral communication with someone else, especially in the context of sharing or debating ideas. We've all recognized this. We can all see a real disadvantage in technology's ability to sense a genuine understanding of someone else. It's likely that there are far more misunderstandings uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook than there are if two people sat down and had a, co a conversation as simple as face-to-face -face or even over the phone. So let's run through a brief history of public speaking to really give us a good understanding of where we're going here. When at the beginning you heard the famous Bible verse, God said, let there be light, and there was, notice that God said it. Even an all-present, omnipotent being still needed to say something. Maybe he yelled it into the universe. Maybe he quietly whispered it. He didn't tweet it, didn't snap it, 
didn't put it in a Facebook post. Instead, he said it. Something to be said for that small little action. Because who the heck was he talking to? He must have been talking to someone. Maybe it was just the universe. But if you want to dive deeper, you can look to see that speech has an interesting place in all major religions. Supreme beings primarily used oral communication as a means to facilitate their doctrine. Moses had to go up to the mountain and he talked to a burning bush. He didn't sit and meditate and it came in his mind. He talked to the burning bush. And that's when he found out the Ten Commandments. If you look at a religion like Buddhism, it's the opposite. You can find inner peace and harmony taking a vow of silence or not speaking. And that's the way to inner peace. So not engaging in oral communication also is important to understand. The oldest story ever written in English is the story of uh, Beowulf. It's so old it was written, written in something called Old English. And Beowulf's famous because not only is it one of the first stories that isn't written in Latin, it also has nothing to do with religion. But before it was written down, was shared orally for, we think, scientists I should say, for thousands of years. And when finally we figured out how to write it down, it was in its perfect form. So far before a time when writing was very common, we shared stories orally around campfires. And this took place for thousands of years. And there has to be some sort of connection with our ability to sit and listen and engage orally, and the evolutionary response to that. Because for most of our history, we've actually sat around and told stories to one another. Only in the last tiny microcosmic second of our history, we used technology to communicate. Back then, being able to communicate one with one another was a necessity. You had to do it or you couldn't get anywhere. And if you were an efficient communicator and a motivator, you could confidently articulate a story or explain a situation, you instantly became potential leadership for your tribe or band. Because we relied so much on oral communication, we were motivated by it. We still are motivated by it. We needed people to public speak. And that it set about not only a physiologically evolution of our ability to speak, but a sort of meme revolution where those who could speak were sought after more than those who couldn't. And so these two merge together for thousands. And if you go back to ancient hunter-gatherer tribes today, so that it was the elders too, who often, not only because they were wise, tell stories which were rich in detail. And that was likely as a result of their experience in hearing their own stories. And that's how oral tradition took off. And it stayed with us for so, so long. So I want to ask you, how many times have you been stuck in a meeting or a lecture or the congregation? maybe even around a dinner table, and you've missed what the speaker has said because, you know, your mind's not thinking about other things or it's wandering around on what's going to happen tomorrow or the common problems that you deal with from day to day. I think it's very common for this to happen to people. And it's also very taboo to tell somebody else that you didn't hear them because you were daydreaming or thinking another problem, especially in a formal setting. Nobody wants to admit they missed an important update in a monthly meeting because they were wondering whether or not they'd be internet bill. Traditionalists want you to believe that um, shrinking attention spans have rendered us incapable of listening to complex information, especially in a non-media environment. And there's probably some truth to this as, you know, a constant stream of media bombards us almost every second that we're awake. Phones, tablets, even TV it forces our brains to monitor only the important information 
essentially just filter everything out because otherwise we'd just be overwhelmed with what we're hearing. You can try this any time of the day, really. Uh, go somewhere and try to concentrate on some noise in the background while you go through your Twitter feed. You just simply can't do these at once. Same thing as uh, a, a newborn baby screaming for their mother. Try and concentrate on anything else. These things are hardwired into us. Let's talk a little bit about in inattention. And it's not really understood, fully understood, I should say. And some people think it's a result of us becoming more efficient. Our ability to filter all this information out is a sign of efficiency. But you have to remember we're creatures designed to be on the move. When we're seated or lying down, our brains recognize it as an opportunity to review past, present, and future again until we're on the move. We've been hardwired to do this. From an evolutionary perspective, this is especially true when it comes to business meetings where we obviously have little physical threat, but we also recognize there's little value to be had from the information distributed. You can get these things from email or find them on documents that are stored in cloud drives. Our brains automatically switch to this past, present, future mode where they can ident identify past threats and how they dealt with them or think about where their next problem might be. And if you really examine your thoughts when you daydream, it's likely to do with some future event or something that's happened in the past. Your brain is naturally analyzing this. It's downtime. It's important for us. So let's change the variables in this business. Let's put it into you sitting in front of a panel or a person in a performance review. And here they are about to give you feedback on your performance. It's almost guaranteed that you'll listen more intently. Not only are they talking directly at you, which causes you to forcefully, forcefully listen to them, but you're hearing news that could make you a better or worse person or provide a better or worse situation in the future. Evolutionarily, this is very important. And so you're likely to be on the edge of you, regardless of what or how their community. Future security and reputation could be at stake. So your brain halts all these background processes, all these daydreaming processes, so that you can take in the information that's given. And this is the same process that plays out when you look at you know, a news stream, especially hard news, because there's typically a lot of violence in the news today, and it's almost like this endless cycle because news outlets know that the disaster stories grab our attention. They, they f cause us to get on the edge of their seat, like a performance review, and focus, because this is potential danger for us. And so we can focus entirely on the negative news and halt all these background processes so that we're able to get what we need, understand it, analyze it, especially for any important threats, future threats. If you think about this, say, 20 years ago, you look at old newscasts, it was essentially a balance between good news, bad news, sports weather, whereas most feeds today, especially 24-hour news, essentially are focused on the negative. Lots of research has shown that the world's actually a safer place than it has even 20 years ago, than it was even 20 years ago, yet we're still attracted to these hard news stories. The chances of you succumbing to a terrorist attack is so minute, yet I know people, and we all know people, focus to hours of their attention on reviewing and understanding potential threats. And it's not their fault, it's not anyone's fault. We're wired to do this. So that's a little roundup of what's going on when we're listening, how our brain is functioning in certain situations. But let's take it to the next level and talk about why it's important for you to go out there in public. And there's all kinds of various reasons. Not only will you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation which will 
cause you to get scared, which in the previous podcast I've talked about how that will actually lead to growth. But when you have someone's attention in front of them, you are more likely to deliver a message that will last with them, will be more impactful than you, were, than you are if you send a tweet out or you post something on Facebook. Not only that, if it's even a presentation where the communication is essentially one way, you have an opportunity to deliver a message with essentially most people, we hope, uh, listening to you. Even in shrinking attention span, you have an opportunity to give somebody some piece of information that's going to help them. Whereas if we communicate mostly through technology, through email, through text messages, it's unlikely that we're going to have that person's full attention. If someone has made an effort to come to a meeting, then you better take that opportunity to you. And we've all been in plenty of meetings and been daydreaming, not because the information is bad or poor, but the person who's delivering the information doesn't have enough experience to deliver it in a way that's going to impact us. Tony Robbins has made an entire career of playing up our emotional side, about motivating us by tapping into our emotions. And he's absolutely right. Even the science backs us up. No matter how logical we can be, we want to be, and to face every situation by reviewing all the facts, good and bad, inevitably there's going to be some emotion involved. And as a, a good public speaker, we'll be able to tap into that emotion and bring it to the surface. And so it will attach to the information that you're bringing. And you see this all the time in pastors and ministers. Get up in front of a congregation, can move them to tears. Stories of the Bible and personal stories. A person we all would agree is a strong public speaker. And my argument is that that's not talent. There may be some talent to get to that level that aids them, but I feel like we're all capable of doing that. And you might be saying to yourself, well, listen, I'm introverted. I, I shy away from any face-to-face -face interaction. And I would suggest that you look at your own life. It may be true. We're all some sort of mix of introversion and extroversion. But if you have the capability to talk to your family and motivate your family and inspire your family and most importantly, argue with your family, then you certainly have the ability to take it into the public sphere. You don't need to get up into, in front of an audience of 5,000 people to be able to recognize that oral communication is important. Find a friend, and instead of texting them some news, wait and talk to them in person. Take mental note. Be very careful to pay attention to how their facial reactions are and their responses back. And I would argue that you are going to have a far more engaging experience if you're able to sit and talk to somebody face-to-face. -face. And the feedback, even although some people are so good at text messaging, the feedback is even more in Because even if they say nothing, they have the skill set, as, as every human being does, to read the emotion. Oral communication in this context is extremely valuable. It's going to be more valuable as we progress in an increasingly more tech-rich environment. Why? Well, misunderstanding is going to become rampant. If you follow the political spectrum at all, you can see even today that there's a massive divide in political beliefs between left and right. I would argue far more than any time in modern history has the political spectrum been divided. The United States of America has an extreme divide in politic political beliefs. And part of this is driven through misunderstanding. Part of this is driven through misunderstanding 
as a result of communication through technology. The President of the United States currently is Donald Trump, and his primarily means of communication to the American public is through Twitter. It has a character limit of what you can say. And people have captured his tweets and exploited them in so many different ways. And I'm not defending Donald Trump, and I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm using it as an example to show people that it's how easy it is misunderstood and why it's so absolutely important to continue to push the envelope with public speech. There was an article that popped up in the news recently in terms of education about getting people to public speak more. And I thought, goodness, this is important. And upon reading it even further, what it does is this article, and I'll add this to the link in the podcast for you, it really manifests itself as a soft landing in public speak. And I, I think this is important because if you're going to start somewhere, you want people to feel comfortable to get up. Your first inclination is to feel comfortable. The problem that I have with it is that this article is geared towards high school students. And if you have an inability to orally communicate by high school, it may be already too late. Oral communication needs to start young, when children are far more likely to dive into something and sense less risk than when you're a teenager. Because we all know when we're teenagers, we're very concerned about our image. And it's so true in today's technology, uh, technological world where not only do you have to worry about what you physically look like, you have to look like, you have to imagine and protect your online presence as well. And so for high schoolers, they need to worry not only if they get up and make a fool out of themselves, but what's the ramifications that's going to happen online. And mistakes will happen and these things will not go away. But what we need to do is to ease the tension. Having children get up in front of the class, raise their hand more often during uh, discussions, and get into debates because this will prepare them. This will give them the experience so that when in high school they need to have these soft landings and they're not prepared to get up in front of people in public speech, they'll be far more confident when they do. And the result will be not only will they lead with confidence, the blowback if they make a mistake will be less harsh than somebody who's stuttering over their words because they are completely inexperienced. More importantly, if you're confident when you speak in front of people, it is far more likely that the message that you're trying to say will be heard. And all I have to do is cite back to Tony Robbins or any preacher who has a large congregation every Sunday morning because these people are able to tap into that emotion, bring it to the forefront, and it's more likely that their message will hold not the essence and importance of public speech. Okay, we've talked a lot about the importance and why you should do it. So how? What are some tips? Everyone wants tips. You want to get better. I agree. So you can find any book on Amazon describing public speaking, and essentially the tips are the same. Know your audience. Practice. Be prepared. Show up early. Make sure that you're dressed effectively so that you feel comfortable in the situation. Make sure you have your hair cut or makeup on or just present yourself confidently. And these are the few things that I think are common tips when presenting in front of people. But not all of us are going to have that opportunity to really prepare to get up and give a speech, especially in an educational. So what can you do to prepare for instant oral communication on the spot? You're having a grumpy day, having a bad hair day, yet you're called on in class, you're called on in a meeting to say something. What do you do then? And I think the only simple answer that we can talk about is to dive in, to leap, to go for it. Put those things as far back in your mind as you possibly can. Tap into that ancient circuit 
that sits in our brain that is calling us to the importance of speaking and you have a platform to say your message, do it with as much gusto as you can. To not worry about the failure. To not worry that you may look like a fool. To not worry that it may be blowback on social media. And if you do this and you can weather that storm as hard as it possibly can and you continue to do it and you continue to weather the storm, there will be a time when you are capable of orally speaking with confidence regardless of the situation. And this isn't new. This is just learning. You can apply this concept to anything. You have to fear. You have to understand the failure. You have to recognize that fear and failure are never going away and that it's likely that you're going to succumb to both of them. And it may happen when you get called on an But If you shy away, if you, if you refuse, if you hide, but it's actually causing you more damage. You've just missed an opportunity to give your opinion. You've missed an opportunity to engage with another human being or group of humans. You've missed an opportunity to have a debate and discuss ideas and perhaps change your opinion. And each one of these opportunities, no matter how big or small, could potentially, on a grand scale, lead the downfall of civilization. Because the more we retreat inwards and the more we use technological medium of the internet, and all its applications associated to take news and be, map it onto our being, more likely it is we're going to have a misunderstanding because when it comes time to have an engaging conversation, you are going to be so wired to think a certain way and not to listen to the other person or people that it's going to be very, very challenging to switch up your belief system. You'll notice that the people who are the hardest on the ends, politically, uh, your most opinionated friend, if you look carefully, it's likely that they are hardwired into this technological revolution more than the average person who's willing to have a conversation. So I challenge you. I challenge you to go out. I challenge you to, to go forward and take every opportunity that you possibly can to public speak, orally communicate with someone. It could be someone in your family. Start eating. Um, if you're very nervous, if you're very introverted, try doing it over the phone. Pick a time and a place and just practice in a safe spot and then increase the risk. And understand that there's going to be fear. It's always going to be with you. That failure is ever, ever present. But if you can kind of tuck those away, Put them into the spot where you put the tire when you run a marathon, and you're going to be immensely successful. I'm going to give you a personal example. I've been in sales before I was a teacher, and I was pushed to sales through my friends and family because I was able to communicate fairly effectively. But I was a horrible, horrible salesperson. Horrible. I could sit down and talk to anyone, but when it came time to persuade somebody, I found it extremely difficult. And I think it's a likely a part of my personality but it also came down to the fact that when I did public speak, did communicate my openness was so great that really didn't push back enough and even though I had a lot of experience doing it I never pushed the envelope when I could I stayed in my comfort zone and that resulted in me being a poor salesperson and that if I tried to persuade somebody and they disagreed with me that I certainly wasn't risking my life that no was okay even worse was talking on the phone and I still have a massive phobia when I speak on the phone and I can't figure out to this day why I uh, tried many times to get over it but 
I've come to the conclusion that it's likely a result of me needing to see the person's reaction to their face. That my confidence comes from in front of them. And on the phone, I often misunderstand what people's intentions are. I often overthink what I'm trying to say because I can't see them. And I get jargled. I get a little confused, and that leads to a lot of anxiety. And so if I have to pick up the phone to call somebody, I often recite in my head not only what I'm going to say, but I try and envision all of the multiple, infinite multiple scenarios uh, that could possibly take place as a result of a phone conversation. And only in my adulthood have I really focused in on understanding that there's not a lot I can control in the conversation, that I have an opportunity to speak to somebody and persuade them and or get information, and that I should do that without worry. And so even the best have problems. Even the best have issues with it. I don't consider myself the best. I know that somebody who's out there promoting public speech deal with it just as much as everyone else. Thank you very much for listening. Get out there and public speak. This is a call to action. Get out and public speak at every opportunity. Communication is a dying art, and without it, we may lose a fundamental connection to one another.